Hey, blessings! Thank you for choosing to tune in to She Speaks, inspired by She Speaks Prophetic Ministries. During this time, you will hear stories of tragedy to triumph, prophetic insights, and lighthearted, inspirational stories. My guests are from all over the world, from different walks of life. So come on in and let's hear. Let's take a part. Let's go. Hey, blessings. Thank you so much for tuning in to She Speaks. This is Prophet Sparkle Robinson. And again, I'm so excited to be back here with you. And of course, I have another amazing guest. You guys know I do. I love talking to amazing people around the world and people that I know and then some people that I don't know. So this particular young lady is a close friend of mine and I'm so excited to have her here with us and just to share her heart, to share her story and then whatever God puts on her heart to share with us. And she is a pastor. She is a pastor's wife as well, and um, she is a mother of four boys, and she is a ministry leader. She's a community leader. She is a um, prolific writer and speaker, and she's just an amazing young woman, loves the Lord, anointed, has a great testimony, and I'm so excited to share her with you. Please help me welcome Pastor Shanika Jacobs. Hey, Shay. Hey, Sparkle. How are you? I'm doing great. It's such an honor and a, a great opportunity to be on the broadcast of She Speaks. So thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so excited that you're here. And um, a couple months ago, I had your husband, Pastor Langston Jacobs, and we just had a great conversation about love, loss, and liberty. And so we are going to have part two today shared a lot of information with us and shared you all's love story so just considering what he did share with us before we get there Shay tell us a little bit more about yourself yeah thank you so of course as you mentioned I'm Shay Jacobs and um, first and foremost I, I love God uh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and um uh, in addition to that, I am a wife of Pastor Langston Jacobs, and I am a mother of four beautiful boys, and uh, I love the kingdom of God. I love God's people. I love bringing people together for a good cause and purpose, and um, that is pretty much what I enjoy doing and being. So that's Shay in a nutshell. Yes, yes. Okay, well, considering everything that he told us about you all's love story, is there anything that you want to add in regards to how God connected you and Langston? Well, our love story, um, to me, baffles me at times. Uh, yes, it's a, it is a love story of two people coming together, um, but behind that backdrop or that tapestry is the love story of the Lord bringing us together, how he did it. Um, coming from long years of being single and praying and waiting and believing God that one day there would be a fulfillment of um, marriage had always been a big desire of my heart. And so uh, when I met Langston, I met him through uh, our cousin, well, his, his cousin, who is our cousin now, um, through a divine connection. And I, the direction that I want to go with this is just how that kind of came about. Um, 
walking through a healing journey. And when I was walking through that healing journey, uh, it was during that time that the Lord had put upon my heart to make things right, so to speak. Uh, make things right with uh, family members. Uh, with Make things right with myself. And so I was going through a lot of healing, deliverance, and counseling. Uh, before I met my husband, I had actually surrendered over to the Lord that um, I believed him for marriage and that marriage would not be an idol. And within a matter of like just weeks of renouncing marriage as an idol or an all and a be all or this apex moment for me as I had, you know, desired it so greatly in singleness, um, I just began to say, God, I trust you, I believe you, I'm going to serve you with my whole heart. No sooner than a couple weeks' time, my husband had a rock on the scene, and I wasn't even ready. So in in what aspect were you not ready? At the progression of the love, at the progression of the two becoming one. It's like, you know, I had waited for so long and then when we came together, it was like a quick uh, movement uh, by God of joining us, you know, and so Lason and I got connected in January of 2011 um, via email introduction. And then by March, we um, saw each other in person at the end of March, beginning of April in 2011. In between that time, things just progressed so quickly and so beautifully that I just was like, not ready, not in control. Um, and and I was just amazed at the love that God put in his heart for me. That that blew my mind. It's nothing I could have ever um, dreamed of. It was beyond my dreams, the love that my husband had for me. Absolutely. From the job. Absolutely. And it was such, um, so beautiful to even witness from the outside, just seeing how much he loved you and seeing how God blessed the two of you. And also, um, because I was part of your life just a little bit in regards to your single life and then seeing how God manifested this miracle and this blessing of a man before you because you were faithful and you waited and you did the work. And just to see it from the outside was such a great testament to so many women and so even with that being said, you know, I know that there's women that's probably listening now that are waiting for their um, mate. So what would you say to them? What did you do during that time? I know that you said that you did the work, the healing work. Um, is there anything else that you would tell single women as they are waiting on their God-given mate? Yes. Um, I actually want to have this conversation with single women because I feel like God did something really significant. So for single women, uh, one of the things that I did do while I was waiting is, um, yeah, I did, I did a lot of healing, deliverance, and counseling work, and just uh, worked on my own self as a person just to become the wife that uh, God would have me to be. I did that in a lot of practical ways, um, you know, with 
I'll say this. I began to have fun as a single um, just to serve God and just say, hey, God, whatever you want to do with me, I'm, I'm good with that. I removed my expectations of what I expected, how I thought it was going to come, um, the way I thought it was going to come, and I just began to enjoy um, my life. Before um, that, that apex moment I had with the Lord in early January, I fantasized way too much about what I thought marriage would be, what it would look like, how he would come, how that would connect. And I experienced and gained a lot of freedom of getting to know myself, uh, just enjoying uh, hanging out with friends, enjoying uh, serving the Lord. And um, yeah, I just learned to live. I didn't learn to, I, I stopped waiting for that moment to define my definition of living. Yes. And I began to have a great time. Um, you know, I, I just I just came to know myself a lot more and um, not be defined by just the images and the ideals of what a wife is and what a husband is. Uh, coming into a knowledge that all of that is unique per the couple, right? It's unique per the thumbprint of God. It's unique per, um, you know, the, the, the Lord weaving two hearts together as one. And so... In singleness, I took care of Shanika, and I enjoyed uh, loving on myself. I, I just had a blast. Before I got married, I did a lot of traveling, uh, did missionary work, went overseas, and um, I served other married couples. I got around other married couples as uh, as yourself and Tommy. I enjoyed relieving you guys sometimes, yes. watching your beautiful children. <laughs> yes. Right? I got to see the model of godly couples that gave me hope, that gave me perspective, and it, it actually gave me a little bit more reality than what I think was set up in my mind in regards to kind of, um, you know, expectation, you know, mismanaged expectations or, or whatever the word I'm trying to say. You know, we can just have just wrong expectations of what we think is supposed to be. And so being around other godly couples and serving them and loving on them and being a friend to them was uh, a huge part of my shaping. Absolutely. And you were such a trusted place as well as a single woman. Trusted place, you know, with our children, but also trusted to um, be around us as a married couple. And even there was times you ministered to me as you know, you were single, but I was married, but you ministered to me many days. And so you were such a, um, just a safe place as a single woman. And so I think that too is important. If you are a single woman and you're going around married men and, you know, you have a married friend and you're going around them and just to be a safe place. And so you were definitely that, Shanika. Thank you. I appreciate that. I always think about sometimes when, when we talk and how your husband, my brother, would say, you carried yourself so well yep. as a single because I honor I honor marriage, you know. Uh, when someone's a brother and a sister, they're one. And uh, I, I guess I would just give glory to God that he put that in me. And when you love a, you know, a couple, you love, you love the couple. Right. And so um, and now I'm on the receiving end, Sparkle, where I have single women around me that are supportive uh, to me and my husband in the ministry and uh, with the organization we're birthing out. So it's a blessing to see some of that come full circle. But yeah, hide yourself in the Lord, have fun, 
set some healthy boundaries, work on you, journal, pray, uh, seek the Lord and ask God if there's anything hindering your mate from coming. Um, yeah, I did a lot of soul work. I broke a lot of soul ties. Um, I held myself accountable. Um, I, I did allow the Lord to dig up my past just to survey to see. Yeah, there's certain things I just didn't want to have as a baggage coming into the marriage because it's enough two people coming to be one. Even as a ordained by God, it doesn't remove challenges and difficulties and, um, you know, two coming as one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you made that transition from a single woman to a married woman, um, what were some of the things in your married life that you had to, I guess, adjust or even not do anymore because you're now this married woman? So maybe for an example, you know, as a single lady, you're able to stay at ministry events a, a little longer than you would as a married woman. So how did you make that adjustment? It's funny you mentioned that because that was one of our first arguments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I, was, I was so used to hanging out late, you know, um, at ministry events, being the last one to leave, the last one to come home because I did not have the responsibilities of, uh, of being a wife. And, you know, I, I had to shift to prioritizing, um, you know, being available for my husband beyond the mindset I, I had as, as a single. And so that was one of our first uh, points of, of discussion uh, was that, you know, I was still active in ministry and he's a man of ministry himself. And right. so he very much understands and understood that those were dynamics we both shared in common when we came together. However, the men of God can get together for about an hour right. and come all home and, and still pick up a snack and um, come on home. I was used to just dwelling and hanging out uh, to the point where, you know, he asked me one time, well, you, you, you're, you're pregnant with my child. Um, it is pretty late. You know, it's pretty late. I'm waiting up late for you. Um, that, you know, that, that, that makes me uncomfortable that, you know, you think that it's okay to stay out. And me, I'm looking like, but I'm serving the Lord. Right? <laughs> you know, serving the Lord. You know, when you were single. And so, really, the priorities have to shift, you know, because the husband and the household and the family um, becomes a, a, a priority of shifting that around. Yes, I'm serving the Lord, but my first ministry is my household, my husband, Absolutely. my children. And so, I had to learn unfortunately the hard way on how to uh, shift and integrate a different perspective so that um, even my good would not be evil spoken of not that he was speaking of it as evil but that it would be honorable to honor um, him as my head to honor him as my husband to put his needs before mine to consider him before myself and so I had been single for so long it took some time for that to be unveiled and revealed to me in the minor ways um, and in the major ways on what changes and adjustments that I would need to make uh, so that you know I was in alignment and we were walking in agreement for uh, the common good because he did not have a problem prioritizing me right right yes that's so good that's really good. I think that's definitely a lesson that um, many of us in ministry as women have to learn as we go from single to married because um, my husband and I too had that same 
situation like, um, excuse me, you cannot be out <laughs> all night hanging with your girlfriend. You need to come home. You need to call me. You need to check in. So definitely, I get that. So right, those ten hour club parties just are not popping off. Right, you. right. And but, like Jesus, you mean to tell me Jesus didn't show up in that hour? <laughs> you all go on you have you have kids you start having your babies um and then you have your two boys and then you get pregnant again for the third time and you all experience a loss yes oh my gosh sparkle um still processing through that so yeah we got blessed with our uh, first two sons elijah and josiah and they are just a joy and um Geez, in 2018, we lost um, Langston's mother, my mother-in-law, in about in May, and um, I found out maybe after three or four weeks after we buried her that we were expecting another child, and the joy of anticipating new life and new birth just was instrumental in swelling out um, the pain of losing mom. You know, not that we didn't feel the pain, but there was something that was coinciding with new life that we began to kind of focus and shift our hearts toward. And so, um, for us, uh, I went in for a, a normal checkup at my five, about five month appointment. And we discovered, I discovered that day, um, in September 2018, that the baby's heartbeat was no more and that was just another uh level of grief they call it half pound grief we were still grieving mom and then uh, we lost a child and I, I have to say that you know grief should never be compared one person's experience your relationship with different people um you know losing a spouse is different than losing a child and a parent than a sibling um, grandparent and so on and so, one thing we can say is that, um, you know, losing girl was rough. And she had lived her life, and so there was a little bit more acceptance to the fact that she had went on to glory. We, we knew she was struggling with some illnesses and that, you know, we had pre-creed having already talked about, you know, her possibly transitioning, but losing a child uh, while I was pregnant was like a tsunami um, effect on both my husband and I and our children. My goodness. Ooh, yes. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you as the mother carrying this baby, you're still supporting your husband as he lost his mom. You lost your mother in love, but you're also supporting your two other boys as well in grieving their grandmother and so now they have lost a brother how in the world Shanika did you walk through that or what did that 
look like on a regular basis? How did you process that? Well, the one way that helped me to process this sparkle was I had to accept that this was a reality. Um, when I first went to the hospital and they were calling me, you know, back into triage to confirm, you know, what was real and, you know, what happened, I had a conversation with the Lord, Sparkle, and I just said, Lord, I've got two choices, and that is both of them are a miracle. Either you put his heartbeat back or he's in glory with you. And so having to stay in reality and embracing the pain versus running away from it. And let me tell you, this was not a Shanika thing. This was a whole family community effort thing. Supernaturally, I feel like Langston and I were covered and blanketed with a support that's uncommon. Yeah. Um, I say this to say that at that time in our lives, um, a marriage sister of ours walked with us in that journey by showing up at the hospital and being there with us. Several of you in our community um, shouldered us on the prayer with prayer and support. Um, as you know, me and you share a spiritual mom, Elder Brenda. Yes. If it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for Mom Betty, if it wasn't for Nana, I had three spiritual moms, my, my mom, my natural mom, my sister who had a loss um, preceding mine. I mean, it's almost like all of the support we needed corralled us in such a way. Um, Janelle was there when we walked out the hospital. Um, I mean, just the timing of God, literally. Um, there's one key aspect I must say. Yes. And I was going to wait to say this, um, but this is this is a wholehearted truth. My husband imparted to me courageous hope. Ooh, amen. In that hospital room, I give God the glory, and I thank God for my husband and what he put in him because... It was my husband's vulnerability, transparency, and just rawness that unleashed me on a path to really grieve. And go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm listening. So in the hospital room, after it was already declared that there was nothing that they could do, the baby was gone, um, my husband broke down. And he said, this is the worst of the worst pain. As a matter of fact, the worst tsunami on his soul were his words. Like, I lost my mom for losing a child, and I can't do nothing to help my wife. My There's nothing I can do. I can't fix it. I can't bring it back to watch. So he, he definitely, I mean, we share in this journey. We grieve differently, but we share in this journey. But him, from a husband's perspective, couldn't shield me from that pain that I had to carry the baby and, and and go through the loss. He he just gave me courageous hope when he looked at me, Sparkle, and he said to me, 
this is huge, this is painful, this is deep, and we're going to get help. We're not going to stuff it. We're not going to shove it down. We're not going to minimize it and act like it doesn't exist. That was a prevailing moment that ushered me into grief. Um, a lot of things that he did that, I mean, truly a covering for me, truly a man of God covering um, to love on me the way he did through the grief. Now, he had his own grief of losing his mother and him losing a son as well. But there were days I didn't couldn't get up where he had to get me dressed, um, make sure I ate, you know, and get me out the house and just say, you don't need to perform and do anything. As long as you're okay, that's good enough for me. I don't expect a cook meal, a clean house. I just want to know that you're okay. Those were the turning points for me that helped me to go back to that moment of release. It was my covering that gave me that courageous hope. Oh, Jesus. Oh, That we could hope in God that this wasn't the end. It was going to be hard, but we was going to get through it. And to be completely transparent, it was a turning point in our marriage that glued us together like never before sparkle. If we thought we was glued from the beginning, walking through the loss and walking through death and loss and trauma, it can burden and put a damper on relationships and break relationships, or it can bring them together. We became each other's support and best friend, and we declared that we would let each other grieve however we grieved. And we gave each other what we call the permission to grieve. That is beautiful, Shay. It is. It's beautiful. It's heartbreaking all at the same time. But it's it's so God because how God brought something that is so tragic to a place that is so beautiful between a husband and a wife. And only you know what that feels like between the two of you. And now you're able to pour out to the community what God gave to you and even through your loss because through your loss, something beautiful came from it, which is Adam's purpose. So let's talk about Adam's purpose. What is that? And how do you all serve the community? And how is that hope for the community? Absolutely. I'm going to answer that. But before I answer that, I want to say something that's going to lead into that answer that I think is a significant turning point. When Langston and I left the hospital, we were blessed with uh, this phenomenal nurse and uh, a phenomenal organization that came in and uh, took pictures of us and the baby. Um, and on that day that we were getting ready to discharge, I I looked at the nurse. Her name is Sarah. I'm friends with her today. And I told her, I said, I'm going to do something with this because my baby has a purpose. I do not believe that I would carry him and lose him for God not to get the glory. That's right. That somehow is he has a purpose and I was going to find out what that purpose was because I just did not believe God 
to waste the pain. Right. And so out of that um, sparkle, so we lost mom, we lost Adam, and then we lost a spiritual niece. So we were in a grieving community. Uh, a friend of ours lost her husband. We had friends lose grandparents, all within a compact time. And I was grieving and struggling. And so I started to share my private journey public on social media. And the outcome was that people were saying, me too. And so I was really like wondering, why are we not talking about grief? I'm over here struggling. And if I'm struggling, I'm sure other people are struggling. And in the, in the black community and in the body of Christ, I just thought it was very strange that we don't talk about grief because when that happened to us, I had no reference point of anybody I knew or I could call and say, well, help me through this grief other than those who are counselors and therapists. And so um, the Lord put it in my heart to bring all of us who were actively grieving together. Initially, Sparkle, I said, Lord, that's so crazy. That is so crazy, Jesus. <laughs> you want me to call my sister who just lost her husband, my brother and sister um, who just buried their daughter, and another woman in the community who lost her husband, and my sister who buried her son years back. And I'm talking about brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God and um, in the body of Christ. And the Lord said, yes. I said, okay. So I got together a planning team, long story short, we held a community grief conference called Grief Gracefully, yes. Grief Loss and Trauma um, Awareness. And I thought maybe 40 people would show up being generous that they were family and friends of us and the speakers. And the response was astronomical. Over 100 people registered to attend that first conference. And I was very um, overwhelmed at the outpouring of support, love, and just the participation from the community. It blew my mind. I now understand it was a much-needed um, resource and um, event. And now we developed Adam's Purpose as an organization. And our mission is to provide help, hope, and healing for those who are suffering through grief, through grief education, grief awareness, and grief support, and grief recovery. And that, I birthed Adam. I birthed Adam. The sparkle Adam birthed me. Woo! Shay? And That's I don't me. ever want to be the same. Yes. Adam birthed you. Adam the real Shanika. Wow. Oh, I love it. I do. I love it. I love how you just, um, how what you just spoke, I could, I could see it. I could see it in my heart. I can see the vision of it. And even, um, you know, being at your grave gracefully, just seeing how God unfolded that in all those people there that needed some hope. They needed answers. They needed resources. And just to see from your experience, you and Langston's experience, what you were able to bring forth. So we're going to take a break. And on the other side, we'll talk more about that. And we will also talk about liberty. 
So you all keep it locked right here. We'll be right back. You're probably wondering by now, what is She Speaks Prophetic Ministries? Why is the S lowercase and the H and the E capitalized? Well, the H and the E signifies He Speaks Through Me, which is God. She Speaks Prophetic Ministries is a preaching, teaching, and training ministry, offering gatherings to empower men and women in training up prophets and intercessors. If you are interested in knowing more about She Speaks Prophetic Ministries, please be sure to visit our website at sparklerobinson.com. Now, back to our show. All right. Thank you so much for Keeping it locked right here to She Speaks, and I am speaking with a good friend of mine, good sister of mine, Pastor Shanika Jacobs, and we are talking about her life. We we are just talking about love, loss, and liberty. And Shay, let's pick up where we just left off in regards to Adam's purpose. And let's talk a little bit more about the workshop that you all do and some of the resources that you provide for the community. Absolutely. So um, currently what we've been doing is hosting an annual conference of which the third annual uh, Grief Gracefully, Grief, Loss, and Trauma virtual conference now um, is going to be held next week, uh, March 5th and 6th um, online. And... Um, it is just power-packed with um, speakers who are just providing education, they're providing inspiration, and they're providing um, support um, options for those who are walking through grief. Uh, what I love about the formation of our speakers and panelists is that, you know, they are themselves grievers and or licensed counselors and therapists who are grief counselors so they they know through experience um, what 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 they're talking about and therefore are able to ride the help hope and healing uh, one of the things that we're doing is trying to bridge the gap especially for the african-american yes. community um, sparkle and you know we'll lead into liberty after this but many of us have uh, experienced grief and loss for decades um, not just in the aspect of losing loved ones which is to not be minimized but grief and loss of dreams grief and loss of opportunities uh, grief and loss of um, just systemic racism issues or whatever the case may be. Um, some people don't understand when people go through a divorce, it's grief and loss. Um, when your, your, your business or ministry ends or um, whatever the case may be, a dream failed, that's grief and loss. And so, yes, we primarily focus on losing a loved one and how to recover, how to get home, how to cope, how to live forward, um, how to learn new boundaries. Um, just how to how to deal with the pain and how to embrace it versus running away from it. Um, identifying what trauma really is. That has been so helpful for me to identify, oh, I've been through trauma. Oh, that's why I res trauma responses. 
And hopefully the goal is to reduce the perpetuation of trauma. You know, walking through grief and loss, uh, you can endure what's called a, a grief fog where emotionally you're just not all the way there for a while because the grief and loss affects you emotionally, physically, spiritually. Uh, you can even develop psychosomatic symptoms where your body is giving off illness and sickness types of symptoms um, because of how it has impacted you, how it's impacted your brain, how it's impacted your emotions, um, how it's impacted you in ways that, um, that people... You know, you, you might not be able to identify at first that it's, it's connected back to grief, loss, and trauma. Right, right. Exactly, and I love that you all have, you have a panel of people that have suffered loss or they're educated within that area. So how can people, if they cannot attend the workshop, especially if they listen to this podcast and it's way after the workshop, are they able to... Will you all be recording it where it's available for people? Yeah, so we'll be recording it. Recording it. I'm sorry. So we'll be doing a live stream, and then we'll be um, recording it. And so if they go to our website at www.adamspurpose.org, anybody who registers uh, will will be able to get access live stream. And then after the recording and stuff is completed, then we will offer the recording as well. Okay, AdamsPurpose.org. Okay. Yeah, you're registered for the group gracefully. Yeah. Okay, great, great. So um, let's just talk about in regards to people of color that do not have resources, that are not getting resources, especially, you know, in different states that may have um, Caucasians predominantly as, as the residents there or whatever. We are finding that black people do not get some of the resources in regards to grieving or whatever it is. So can you kind of speak to that a little bit, what that looks like and maybe, you know, where your heart is in regards to that? Yeah. So there's a few things about that, um, that even my husband and I experienced. One of our first uh, points of reaching out is we went to um, a grief event that was located uh, for those in Colorado and Arvada, which is a non, uh, it's it's not a uh, African-American community. But at the time, my husband and I, we did not care. We just wanted to get the help. And when we reached out, um, it was not a, an organization or an event that was ready for us, meaning they were not culturally competent. Um, and so it, we kind of hit a brick wall and it added a little bit more pain to our grief journey. What I'm finding is, for example, that, um, you know, what I want to link and what the heart of the, what the heart of one of the missions is to link African American therapists to uh, minority therapists, people of color therapists, to the people of color who are grieving. Um, I think that bridging that gap helps in the healing trauma where there's racial trauma or just understanding cultural. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm saying only um, get care from people of color, but like, for example, on our board, we have people who are not of color, but they're culturally competent. Um, in our network that we're building for therapists, we have 
uh, people who are not of color, but they're culturally competent. Yes. So it's being culturally competent to understand the plight, to understand um, the culture, to understand, you know, there's been a lot of resistance from uh, our culture, per se, as far as getting counseling. Uh, our generation is far, but we can speak to this. We just probably over the last decade entered into a normalcy of getting counseling and therapy. Exactly. And there are a few preventers from that. One, yeah, culturally, but two, financially, right? Yes. So yes. when you're limited in, uh, you know, your financial resources or uh, there's just gaps in equity, uh, getting care, um, and then uh, there's, you know, there's different types of barriers in communicating with doctors and um, them understanding your needs and you having to advocate for yourself and, 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 and just facing different barriers and blockages with systemic issues, it, it deters a person from even trying. And so hopefully what we're trying to do is bridge that gap. Now, I can speak to this from a different perspective. As a person who was grieving, it took uh, me being contacted or in a conversation uh, with, with people more than eight times before it clicked inside of me, get a counselor. Wow. Because I was in grief, right? And so typically what we've seen uh, or what we've experienced leaving the hospital is that the hospital provided us with a list of counseling opportunities. However, uh, that list is often outdated because hospitals do not have always grief care coordinators or administrators to bridge the gap with getting grief support services. So it is often on the responsibility of the person who's grieving to reach out for help. Adam's Purpose wants to be able to shift that around yes. and to reach out to the community and invite them in and to bring more awareness to what grief is, to bring more um, normalcy and permission of grieving. So what is grieving? What does it look like? Um, in an effort for recovery. Um, not to say that you... You don't, you know, this is not getting over a loved one. This is learning how to live forward while you're grieving. There's a healthy way to cope uh, with trauma. And then there are other things that, you know, are unhealthy. Our hope is to impact the life of a person, to provide them with timely resources and um, timely support that's compassionate, um, that's helpful, that's uh, relatable and culturally competent, giving them a greater opportunity to to walk through it not alone and um, in a way that they can um, just maybe overcome what would be some obstacles in front of them had they not uh, gotten the support on time. Yes, I love that, Shay. I really do. And just just hearing you talk, I just think about, you know, how God wastes nothing through your tragedy, your situation. Even you all are able to bring the resources, but you're also able to bring them a little closer to your community because that community, uh, we lack some of the resources that, you know, 
the majority of communities have. And so I'm so grateful for what God has given you all. And I really believe that Adam's purpose is going to do way above even what you expected. I really do. Even regionally. I mean, even even um, nationwide, you know, not just there in Colorado and just in that region, but even beyond that, I really trust and believe that God's going to do something so powerful with it through your story. And even um, now as I'm talking, you know, I, I, I just have to be obedient. I see you and Langston doing workshops around the world in regards to grief, in regards to grieving and loss and trauma and how to deal with that and making the connections of the people in the community, the resources that they need. So being those those liaisons, you know, for people that are um, struggling and all of that. And so I say to you, well done, my sister, seriously, well done. And even though you've just begun this work, it's still well done. And you still have so much more to do, but I know that God is going to connect you with the resources that you need to even make this go further. And so well done. God bless you for real. Hey man, it's a, it's a, it's a joy. Um, my joy, I get the joy. This is how I raise Adam, you know. Um, so, you know, we have Elijah and Josiah, and then we lost Adam. Um, this is how I raised Adam, and then after Adam, you know, we were blessed with the rainbow baby Seth. Yeah. And um, I get the privilege of raising my other three children here on this earth every day, which is a complete and utter joy. And this is how I raise Adam. Amen. I love that. That that <laughs> it's just beautiful just to see it. And I love that you all um, you're still counting him in as of course still being here in your heart. And even speaking to that, Shay. What are some of the things, and we'll get to liberty here in a little bit, but I think this is important to understand. What are some of the things that people need to, um, I guess, understand when people are going through a loss? What are the appropriate things to say? Or what are the things that they shouldn't say? Maybe touch a little bit on that, because um, I think that sometimes we're lacking in that education, that part of things. Oh, yeah, that's a great conversation, Sparkle, and um, that's something that we're doing with Adam's Purpose, too. Um, you'll hear Adam's Purpose say, you know, we're, we're here to also empower those who are walking with others who are grieving, and so that's about providing that support to those who are grieving and those who love them. Uh, one of the things I would say, just speak to that, if you are connected with somebody who's grieving, here's just a few tidbits. Um, don't ask them what, like, I'll be there for you if you need me. Um, you're going to have to, um, if you really want to show up, and if God gives you the grace to show up, then just be there okay. uh, without expectations of anything in return. Um, do practical things. Let them know, I will be, I will be providing your family a meal. Um, do you have a preference of what you like to eat? If they say, I don't know, then you either provide them a gift card or you just provide them with something. I think uh, we put a lot of pressure on people who are grieving to teach us how to help them. And really the learning curve 
uh, which we want to help with the battle's purpose, is to equip others on how to support people who are grieving. Another thing, on the spiritual side, we have a lot of cliches we say. And so don't tell people that um, at least at least they're in heaven now. Right. Um, it, it minimizes the fact that they're hurting without their loved one. Um, somebody told us, at least, you know, you guys can make another baby. Wow. Um, yeah, so real things happen. And this is where grieving gracefully comes in, cycle. You gotta have, you gotta take the grace of God to grieve, and you gotta have the grace of God for those who are around you, who mean they mean very well, but um, may say things that are inappropriate. Um, the, the the best thing to actually say is, "I'm sorry that you're hurting," uh, or to say nothing at all. Right. To say, you know, I don't. I, here's the thing. Being completely honest and transparent and saying, sis, I do not know what it's like, what you're going through. I am hurting that you're hurting. I don't even know what to say. I just want to be, like, supportive. Um, if, you know, just being, like, dropping, you know, these orders, so to say, just being completely transparent and humble, like, oh, my God. I am hurting that you're hurting. I experienced walking with others through grief in this season, and it gave me an eye-opening experience of how sensitive it is to walk with someone through grief. You have to be graced by the Father. Um, Sparkle, you know, uh, one of the things that I experienced through grief and loss was restructuring of friendships, because I wasn't the same person. Um, And Praise God, those friendships, they stood the test of time. In sisterhood, they got restructured. We, we painted grace, growth, and understanding, but not making yourself a person of importance while someone's grieving. Exactly. Humble yourself um, to not say, you're not making it about you. Because uh, it, 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 I've seen that happen. I've experienced that. Uh, you know, you have a close friend. You want to be there for them and they disconnect because they're grieving. It's not personal. It's not, they're trying to survive and to live and to, you cannot make it about you or you didn't call me. No, I did not call you. You know, um, (laughs) taking the responsibility off of the person who's grieving and maturing to the point where you don't have the expectations of normalcy um, for once when you knew them before. Grief changes you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, too, I'm so glad that you all are educating people on that because even though some of those things we think should be common sense sometimes, it really isn't because people just don't know how to walk through grief with a close friend or family member or whatever the situation is. So, I'm so glad that you all are bringing some type of um, education to that so people can understand what to say, what to do, or not what to say, you know, period. And um, so thank you for that, for sure, because that is needed in our community and beyond. So, So in regards to liberty, as we get ready to 
um, wrap up this show, I do want to ask you this question in regards to where we are racially. Um, let's let's talk about it from women of color, from black women standpoint. So as you see what's going on in our communities, in our world, really, what would you say to um, black women and white women that are trying to have these difficult conversations? What would you say to them um, in regards to having these conversations? How can they have a conversation that's healthy, but yet very transparent in regards to the racial tension that we are living in? Yeah, I would, I would speak to that to say, for those who are courageous enough to have those types of conversations, one, I commend you. Two, in being courageous enough to have racially um, uh, context conversations, uh, one of the things I would speak to is to be completely humble. Um, don't try to prove a point. Uh, don't try and um, understand from an aspect of you know what it's like to go through, um, you know, racism from a white woman's perspective to a black woman's perspective. I would say be a learner, be a listener, and um, try to engage at a learner's um, perspective because as a black woman, that was in corporate, I grieved. Okay, so this gets back to the grief, just a little bit sparkle, because when I became aware of the microaggressions, like I couldn't put words to it before sparkle, but now looking back and now there's more training of, um, you know, race-related training and sensitivities that are taking place now as a result of what's going on in the world. But I began to grieve and look back at all the times that I was told that I wasn't approachable or told that, hey, I wasn't a team player or told that I didn't show up and wasn't verbal enough. And all of the different things that I experienced that drained me emotionally being the only person of color or African-American woman in an organization that had over 50 people and the different things that I experienced, when I began to understand what was taking place, it grieved me because I knew there was some unfairness and some struggling, but when I became aware, it, it helped to put words to my experiences and validate them. So I would say validate people's experiences. Very good. Very good. Because what people experience is valid. Now, whether or not you perceive it to be true or not is not for you to take or to give. But I can validate that that was your experience. And then on the flip side, from an African-American, speaking to uh, a Caucasian or white um, sister, extend some type of grace. Um, Everybody, um, when you have a friend... And I was approached, as, as, as I know you were approached, uh, Sparkle, by women who wanted to learn, who admitted that it was uncomfortable for them that were raised in certain environments, that they adopted certain mindsets that they were ready to throw off, and they wanted to bridge the gap and, and be the change and be, um, you know, on the side of not just silence racism, but anti-racism. Right. Uh, 
extend grace. Don't make one person your target for what others have done to you. And so I held um, uh, a couple of private Zooms for the women that were, um, that I was connected to, some from old employment, some from old colleges, that we were able to have healthy race-related conversations that brought about peace, healing, understanding versus division. Very good. Because it's so needed. It really is. It's needed in this time. And if people really want to learn, then they will come together graciously. They will come together humbly. They will come together as listeners. And on both sides, really, like, what can we learn as um, Black women from a white woman's perspective? And then vice versa, honestly, because the thing about it is, is if we are going to live this life, we can't just live our life um, with just other black sisters all of our life, right? And so we're going to have to understand, okay, well, from a white woman's point of view, what can we do better to to make them feel, not, not make them feel comfortable, but I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes we're not approachable um, as black women. You know, like I've heard um, some ladies say, well, um, they're saying that I'm not approachable um, because maybe I come off too aggressive. You know, and so they don't want to ask me about my culture. They don't want to ask me about my hair and things of that sort. And so I think sometimes we, I love what you're saying, Shay, we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. But even the the white woman on the other standpoint, you know, that is wanting to learn about us to come as listeners as well, you know, and learners. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say that there's learning. Um I mean, speaking of learning, I can use this as a bridgeway to say um, when I was walking through the grief and um, experiencing trauma, you know, we've experienced racial trauma in our land. Uh, we have an opportunity to sparkle every person does. Either we can have post-traumatic stress or we can have post-traumatic growth. And there's an opportunity for growth. Now, let's say um, growth is typically good. Not all growth is good because cancer is, is growth. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, a rotten tree might appear to be growing in its season or out of season. But a pure growth that we can drop offenses, have tough conversations, and have a foundation of love and truth. And you not, don't have to dim your light to make somebody feel comfortable anymore and and you don't have to take on um, someone else's view because they've experienced something. Right. You don't have to take on like, you know, being projected upon because of someone else's uh, perspective or experience. And so I think that the, the word is a balance. And as I think about this, uh, the Lord dropped something in my heart the other day that, um, you know, just because... Uh, you know, we may think, oh, this is peaceful. There doesn't mean that peace doesn't equal harmony because we have peaceful protests. But the, right. pro the protest is because there's something that's disharmonious or not harmonious. And so the goal is to learn how to walk in harmony. And sometimes the absence of peace is just what's needed. We need to be unsettled 
so that we can grow and heal and get to a right place of harmony. Exactly. Exactly. And that that's definitely where we need to be because it's not like things are going to get better on their own, but things are going to get better if we're willing to learn, listen, humble ourselves, and also set those boundaries. So very good, Shay. So as we as we wrap up, um, we didn't talk a lot about you being a pastor, but I do want you to share just a few minutes in regards to um, what would you say to new pastors' wives right now that might be just trying to find their groove, trying to find um, their their comfort place or their their place of purpose within ministry. What if you had just maybe two minutes or so to sit down with somebody, what would you say to them during this time? You sparkle, you asked me such profound questions and part of me wants to answer in a very comical way. Um, <laughs> go, go ahead, just be yourself. <laughs> well, you know, for, uh, for new women pastors, I think my word of encouragement would be, um, is to definitely be be a supportive, you know, be a support to your to your husband. Um, but as for me, uh, one of the things that I feel like the Lord is doing in me, Sparkle, is I can have both. And what I mean by I can have both is I can radically support my husband. And see about his best needs and interests and vision and goals for the ministry and be his partner and teammate. And it doesn't take away from what God is doing in me. I can have both, Sparkle. That I don't have to hide behind the shadow of what God is calling him to. I can stand side by side. Um, or behind him, pushing him forward, but I don't get lost in the process. And so I'm really grateful, and and, and I don't know every woman's story, but I'm really grateful for a husband who is supportive of me to allow me, um, in without contention, without um, feeling threatened um, by anything that I can offer or um, provide to him or the ministry, he lets me be great. Yes. I can have both. I think that's great. I do. I think that's great because I, I think that's where women struggle, is how can I support him and how can I still do what God's calling me to do as well? And so um, for you to say that you can do both, I think that is... Um, it's actually groundbreaking. <laughs> it is. It's, it's like, okay, this is possible, very much so. So what I would love to do, Shay, is to possibly bring you on again with a couple other new pastor's wives and um, just talk about that because I think this is a whole discussion, really. Um, but definitely, I know that you, what your heart is, where your heart is now, that you can pour into other ladies that are exactly where you are or in a different place of you as you and that have just started out or whatever their situation is, but they need to hear 
So wisdom. So I love you saying that, that you can have both. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I'll be, you know, I'll be happy to come back on, but that's the word I want to leave. You don't have to sacrifice yourself um, at the expense of supporting, um, you know, your husband that you can allow God to build you up and to, and, and to do uh, what he's calling you to do. Now, some of this, and we're going to talk about this, Michael, it, it depends on what season you are in, what season you are in. But it, as for me, the Lord is releasing me and saying, hey, you are the strong support of your husband and this ministry, and I have great joy in doing that. And I think I have great joy in doing that because I also um, am experiencing God released me into other things that are fulfilling to me as a woman and as a right. wife and as an independent um, and interdependent, um, you know, in, in our, you know, in my relationship, um, shine as I help pave the way alongside my husband in ministry. I want him to shine and to have every spiritual blessing in him. And so it's a joy to sit beside him, work with him. And it's a joy to say, hey, this is what God has opened up an opportunity for me. And I don't have to feel any guilt, remorse, or be indifferent about it. I can have both. Absolutely. That sounds like um, a devotional or a book it or sure a teaching or something. It sure does. I can have both. It sure does. Yes. I'm like, okay, I wasn't expecting to answer that. You put me on the Holy Spirit spot. Yes, I love it because you were... You, you had the Holy Spirit in you, so it's all good. See? So it was great. That that really sounds like a teaching, Shanika. It really does. It sounds like something, like a, a workshop or something that women can talk about and that um, they can be poured into because I'm telling you, I know that that is the struggle. I know it is. And um, so, yes, I would definitely love to have you back on again along with some other ladies and talk about that more um, in depth and more in detail. Um, but I thank you so much for this time that you spent with me. It was a absolute joy and pleasure just to talk to you from a wife's perspective, a woman's perspective, and then also just to sit here and talk to my sister. So I thank you so much for your time. Thank you, sis. I enjoyed it. And I, I just can't wait to be back. And I, you're doing a, such a fabulous work. She speaks, you guys. She Amen. Well, thank you, Shay. And I'm, I'm going to pray us out and then we will let the people go. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you and I bless you. I thank you for my sister. I thank you for this time that she shared with us and what she poured out. And I thank you, God, that there are people all over the world that will be blessed by her message and blessed by her story, God, and blessed by what you have done in um, her and Langston's lives and those boys, Father. So I just pray that as we depart from this place tonight, that you would just pour back into her, God, that you would just fill her up, God, for the next assignment. And even Adam's purpose that's coming out, Father, just bless it and breathe on it, God, and do what you're going to do best, God. Miraculously begin to heal the hearts and deliver the people and to help them through this grieving process and let them know that they don't have to stay where they are, but you are a God that healeth thee. And so, Father, I thank you for the leaders of Adam's purpose, even though they have to go through what they went through and yet still 
processing some of that, Father, I pray that you would give back to them um, even more so, Father, the finances, the time, the energy, the resources, the connection, everything that they need to make Adam's purpose absolutely what you've called it to be. And again, Father, I thank you for the Jacob's family. I just love them so much and I pray, God, that you will just um, place a hedge of protection around them and we speak blessings upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, blessings. Thank you so much for tuning in to She Speaks. And until next time, go for your God-given destiny. God bless you. Yeah.
All right, blessings. I hope you were inspired, enlightened, and or informed. To contact me, please visit sparklerobinson.com. Remember, as always, go for your God-given destiny. God bless you.